Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey everyone, welcome back to the BT Powerhouse Podcast. As always, my name is Thomas Bender. I'm the host of the podcast as well as the manager of BT Powerhouse. We're continuing on with our season preview series. And tonight we will be breaking down the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And we have Kevin Knight from our staff. Uh, who also writes for Corn Nation, SB Nation's Nebraska blog, on here to preview the Huskers with us. Kevin, how's it going? Uh, not too bad. Um, you know, season's almost here, so uh, knock on wood, it stays that way. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. We're all we're all hoping for the best. Set to start um, November twenty fifth or sometime ar- around there, per all the reporting. We're recording this mid-October. Not sure when it'll post in particular, but um, yeah, we're we're getting close. Practice started for a lot of teams, I think, today um, and over the coming days. So hopefully, all will go well. No positive tests, uh, etc. In the coming weeks, but um, yeah, let's let's jump into it. Nebraska, a, a lot going on this off season, and really the last two off seasons. Um, I, I said this on the preview last year, and I feel like it's still kind of true this year, which is I have no idea what to expect out of this team. It, it felt like the roster turned over completely last year, and it feels like it did it again. Um, what's the general thoughts on this team? What, what's the feeling among the fan base uh, as the Huskers prepare to enter this season? Yeah, I mean, definitely when Fred Hoiberg was hired at uh, – the end of um she's just covid years now let me um get my bearings let's see it would have been the end of the 1819 season um yeah. with the end of the tim miles era uh, obviously husker fans and generally big 10 fans who were familiar with hoiberg knew that uh he obviously started the transfer trend in college sports to a large degree and and so you'd expect some roster turnover but um, I'm not sure anybody really knew what they signed up for this time around um, after his tenure with the Bulls because it's pretty much just, uh, you know, th- there were two players uh, returning with previous experience uh, on the roster, only one of whom had experience on the court. Um, there's a few more this time, but not not a whole lot. Um, Akel Arop um, didn't really see a lot of time on the court last season. Um, Ivan Udraago, um, obviously saw quite a bit of time. Um, and of course, as always, Thorir Thorbjarnarsson, um, the one steady rock through all of this. Um, but beyond that, pretty much everybody else is going to be a new face in terms of seeing playing time on the court. Um, overall, I think there's a lot of excitement, um, as we get closer to the season in that, um, not to... Not to be too harsh, but I mean, last season, it was kind of a patchwork of mostly Juco players um, who made up the roster. And to a large degree, um, that that definitely showed on the court. I mean, there was some talent there, but it wasn't wasn't really Big Ten caliber talent, even in a year that 
wouldn't have seen the Big Ten quite as strong as it was last season. But this season, it's going to be a lot of P6 transfers that see playing time now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think that's a great point. And that's something that, you know, I I remember us discussing on the site and and on the podcast heading into last season where, you know, there, there are additions where you recruit, um, you know, in the normal cycle, maybe a transfer you recruit. And then there are the late additions where you're just trying to fill out the roster. You're trying to fill the open spots. And Nebraska had a lot of late additions last year. But this year, it does feel like they're they're more at a Big Ten talent level. Um, they have some depth. They have some experience this time around. And they do have, uh, which we'll get to here in a second, but I believe they, they had at least one guy coming off a red shirt for this year. Um, they had a couple guys. Correct me if I'm wrong. They had at least one or two guys that sat out last year with a red shirt, right? Um, I think mostly it was walk-ons who would have redshirted. Mm, okay. um, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head yeah, who yeah, else I, they had that wasn't a transfer sitting out. Because, again, it, it's oh, – yeah, I, I was, I was yeah, if you didn't see playing time right. last season, I, I – uh, I'm you're still kind of generally somebody who I'm trying to remember the name of because I mean it, it's a big roster to to remember when it turns over that much. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it, it's a mix, but they had a lot where you know I hate this term; it's so generic and cliche. But the year zero thing is very true for Nebraska last year. That season was even if Tim Miles stayed, it was always going to be a rough year because it was just the perfect year in terms of just departures. Uh, the roster got completely raided, but this time, you know, as we were talking about the, the talent level should be back to a certain extent. Um, putting that aside though, uh, let's get into a little bit of, of the roster itself. As, as we've talked about, it's really bizarre. Um, it, it feels like it's an entirely different team than it was last year again, which I, I'm not used to this type of turnover, as you mentioned. But um, who are the biggest additions or, or newcomers uh, that you're excited about here for the Cornhuskers? And conversely, um, what are the big departures um, that fans should be aware of? Yeah, I mean, right off the bat for departures, um, Cam Mack comes to the top of the list in my mind. Um, Mack was uh, somebody who had a couple game suspensions last season, but he was, I, I want to say, third in the conference, third or fourth uh, in terms of assists per game, um, which, I mean, when you have guys like Cassius Winston in the league, that's uh, that's saying something um, when you're that high. Uh, among others, um, oh, God, uh, yeah, Cam Max obviously at the top of the list. Um, Hanif <laughs> Chidon was was a reliable guy who didn't necessarily light anything up, but did a lot of the uh, dirty work, so to speak, rebounding. Um, you know, making sure he, he actually covered his guy on defense, which was occasionally a problem. Um, so I, I think um, those are two of the top names that definitely come to mind. Um, re- well, I, I would say returning um, Ivan Udraago. Uh, Hoiberg was actually pretty um, big on in his press conference yesterday uh, leading into practice. So um, uh, Ivan is a French player. He is going into his sophomore year and he lost, I believe it was 
lost 20, gained 25 pounds of muscle. I think it was, um, and, and is just a lot more explosive this season. Um, in addition to that, uh, they picked up, um, Trey McGowns out of Pittsburgh, uh, and he was given a waiver for immediate ability. And I think he's going to be a pretty big, uh, assistant or, um, a big name to see added to the roster. Um, primarily, Defensively, I think is going to be his big thing. He was only about a 31% three-point shooter, which is good, but not necessarily what you would probably consider quite elite. Um, but he was a big guy on defense, particularly in steals. Uh, he was the uh, second leading uh, steals per game last season in the ACC. Um, and the third guy I want to mention is... Um, uh, All right, it, um, half second. Well, while, while you're working on that, I, I will hit on a, a couple of the guys I, I wanted to talk about as well. As far as departures, I agree Mac is, is the big one, um, probably the team's best player last season. If he wasn't, he was very close. And as far as the, the passing that you were talking about, Mac finished second in conference play as far as assist rate. So clearly really impressive given the depth of the Big Ten. He finished 18th nationally over the entire season so really really good passer great facilitator losing a guy like that is a big hit especially when you you might not have these go-to offensive players um you mentioned Cheatham he disappointed me a little bit last year which I guess was probably true of of most of Nebraska's roster given (laughs) the fact that the team finished seven and 25 overall so clearly a disappointing year for the program but uh, I was expecting a lot more out of him. He, he didn't really seem to, to live up to the hype, at least in the transfer world. So I think that is disappointing. Um, but conversely, because he's gone, I, I guess you can think, hey, maybe it's not as big of a hit um, because, because he, he didn't quite live up to the hype last year. Um, a few of the other departures, again, mix of whether these guys transferred or um, I believe Burke declared for the pros, right? Um, Kind of a weird, uh, a couple of guys who explored their pro options this year, but um, Charlie Easley, a a guard who, who transferred. Um, You also had uh, Cross who left Burke left all guys that got time uh, over the course of the season and really just rated the the depth uh, your bench from last year. So Green, uh, another guy who who was gone. So I think in total they had like six transfers um, from last season. And considering you know you're usually looking at 12, 13 scholarship players, that's that's a pretty big hit. Um, but again, well, the team wasn't necessarily it, the best last year, so maybe it's I, maybe it's not as big of a panic. I, I think we'd be remiss in uh, not including one of the other transfers, which is Noah Vedral. Mm-hmm. Uh, for um, those listeners who aren't familiar with this, uh, the Nebraska Cornhuskers were so down on uh, roster depth by the time they got to the Big oh, Ten okay. tournament, they brought up two football players, one <laughs> of whom was backup quarterback Noah Vedral, who proceeded to uh, transfer this offseason to Rutgers, where – um, I believe he is not expected to be the starting quarterback for the Scarlet Knights. Um, or maybe he was, I, I haven't really followed that, but I, you know, it's more power to him, but, 
Yeah. It's, cra- it's <laughs> even, crazy. Even lost to the football players to transfer. It's crazy to me that that did not click in my mind. And I think the main reason is because that Nebraska Indiana game is such a haze for me because of COVID. Uh, you know, the that Big Ten tournament game, it's it's basically the last power five game that I think was completed for last season uh in college hoops. And all I remember is just Hoyberg coughing on the side of the court or you know, sweating and, and everyone just freaking out about whether he had COVID. Uh it seems like it was years ago at this point, but uh, yeah, yeah, that was a really bizarre finish to the season where Nebraska's depth had collapsed so bad that, yeah, they did have to bring in uh, a couple football players and, and see what happened. And we should note, they actually didn't play that badly uh, in that game against Indiana. They they held up relatively well, all things considered. So, um, yeah, interesting note there. Um, as far as the newcomers, the the big guy who, who my eyes are on um, is – Trey McGoins from Pitt. The only thing is, is there are some questions about eligibility. This is such a weird year where we don't really know what the NCAA is going to do. Um, do you have any any read on that? Uh, you think he's going to be eligible to play this year or not? Or, or what's what's the status yeah, yeah. as far as you know? He officially got the waiver. On oh, he did he? Okay. okay, excellent. Yeah. Um, I believe there was still one other player that they were trying on, but I don't remember off the top of my head who it was and if there was any um, indication that they would end up getting him or not, but they did get Trey McGoins. He was officially cleared for eligibility. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy I mentioned him, but I would expect him to start immediately. I'd expect him to be one of the team's biggest contributors this season. He was a solid player at Pitt, had a pretty good recruiting profile, should be one of the more talented players I would imagine for this season. And then um, as far as the, the other freshmen go, um, including the uh, Juco transfer, Teddy Allen. Um, I think they're going to be a lot of just wait and see. Uh, a couple of these guys could play early. Um, it, it should be an eclectic mix here. But, um, yeah, yeah, should be interesting. I guess moving back, though, you know, we've talked a little bit about, you know, where things sit, who's coming in, who's going out. Um, as far as the team overall, what are, what are the things you're you're the most excited about as far as the Huskers this season? And on the other side, what are you most concerned about? Um, number one, I think uh, Hoiberg has a lot more pieces to work with this season that are uh, more or less Big Ten caliber, uh, so to speak. I mean, um, you know, for starters, as you mentioned, you've got Teddy Allen, who's a pretty uh, great shooting guard, um, also hometown guy who's had quite the quite the journey of transfers. Um, Trey McGowan should be a great pickup. Um, honestly, Elijah Wood. Uh, who was a late addition to the class this year. I really don't know what to expect out of him. Um, but uh, the guy who I was trying to think of earlier, Lat Mayen, um, should be interesting. He's a forward out of Australia who was at TCU and then uh, down at uh, Florida, was it Florida Gulf Coast. Um, but he is quite the shooter for a big man. He's six foot nine and in a three point drill Hoiberg runs with his players that he uh, picked up in the NBA. He has them shoot 103 pointers and man made 86 in the drill. The, they ran it another time uh, after that. And I believe he hit 83 the second time I think I saw. So um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, he, he has a lot more pieces that fit his style of play this season, I think. And he's got a couple more guys with size that he lacked last season. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Big Ten obviously has some elite big men, even though some of them did graduate last season. There are still plenty left. Luca Garza obviously being top of the list. But uh, when you've got bodies down low that can kind of bang around for rebounds a little bit and also stretch the defense more by bringing the kind of uh, shooting threat that people like Mann bring, you're going to see a lot more spacing like he wants and be able to uh, you know, go up against the guys down low on defense and space out the floor like you want on offense. So I think we're going to see a lot more vintage Hoiberg, and that's an exciting style of game to play. Um, having said that, again, a lot of these guys are transfers. A lot of them are unknowns, and none of them necessarily leap off the page as being, um, you know, say a Luca Garza capable player or a, um, you know, frankly, a Cassius Winston style uh, caliber player. So it, without an absolute, um, you know, stamp of, of this is that kind of player, uh, there, there's still not necessarily a lot of excitement around. Um, being a NCAA uh, tournament eligible team necessarily, but I think we're going to see a lot more excitement and definitely more than seven wins this season. <laughs> you're uh, you're spoiling our our predictions at the end of the podcast. You're giving away giving away the uh, the the result here, but no, um, yeah. Let man just as a side note, uh, transfer from TCU, um, but. Uh, it, Op- reasons for optimism i i agree um they this team the roster is much better than it was last year i, I don't think there's any denying that um and i think a lot of it is going to come with the the additions we mentioned mcgoins um you mentioned teddy allen um a couple of the juco like lat mayan um i i like the fact that there is a nice mix of these guys, you know, it, it would be really dangerous if Hoyberg was relying just primarily on freshmen, but he's not here. So I, I think that's something, you know, if I'm a Husker fan trying to get excited about the season, I would say, you know, there is a mix here. You're not, there's some experience, at least in terms of college, you know, these aren't all freshmen walking in the door. You got a couple of guys who produced in power five leagues. So I, I think that, that's something to be optimistic about. Conversely, as you said, it's there's still this may be a Big Ten level roster now, but it's certainly the bottom of the Big Ten as far as just raw talent, proven players. So many of these guys are new faces. Now, Hoiberg has a history of being able to plug and play guys very quickly. You know, maybe things are a little bit easier now that he sort of has his base. Uh, a couple of guys have, have hung around from last season. So I, I think you got to be uh, excited about that uh, a lot more, at least than last year. Um, one guy I did want to ask you about a little bit before we move on um, Kobe Webster. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? Uh, do you, you think he could be an impact guy this year? Uh, any general thoughts on his uh, potential for the Huskers this year? Yeah, so um, Kobe Webster, uh, he's a good question mark. Um, Obviously, he's a big sharpshooter, but he did do it at Western Illinois. So he wasn't going up game in and game out against the talent that you see in a P6 league, particularly one as deep as the Big Ten is going to be. But I mean, having said that, he, his freshman season scored 15.9 points per game. And uh, his his sophomore season, uh, seventeen point one. 
So, I mean, the guy can score. And mm-hmm. I, I think, is he going to see that kind of production from him in the Big Ten, uh, particularly in the you know middle of the season when it starts really getting it to be a grind there for a while? I'd be surprised if we see that. But is he going to be somebody who can go out and score you know, consistently more than 10 points per game, game in and game out pretty much every single game? I think mm-hmm. he can definitely be that guy. And frankly, Nebraska needs a dedicated scorer like that. Um, <laughs> so I think him combined with one or two other people stepping up and putting up that kind of production is going to be the key difference this season. Absolutely. Nebraska, they finished last season 190th overall in offensive efficiency. Clearly a a pretty significant issue, um, all all things considered. Um, Moving on from from Webster, though, as far as the team's best player, I talk all the time on these podcasts about how I really think a lot of college basketball comes down to just who is your number one guy, who's your Batman, uh, who's going to carry your team. Nebraska doesn't seem to have someone at face value that that would fill that role. They don't have a Luca Garza. They don't have anybody like that. Um, if you had to to put your money on a guy to be the team's best player uh, at this point, who who would you pick? Um, that is a good question. And can I just say, I it would probably be between two for me personally mm-hmm. in terms of just raw production of. Uh, score wise on the scoreboard it's going to be between um kobe webster and i think teddy allen most likely um Mm. i think those two guys are probably the two that you see be the most lethal scoring threats game in and game out uh best guess but do i feel very confident in that not really (laughs) but i think one of those two guys is going to be the one that's interesting because I was leaning more towards McGoins as the guy who I, I was thinking might be the top guy. So maybe that bodes well for Nebraska to potentially have three guys that could be uh, nice quality players. But, yeah, I I definitely think it's going to be a new piece for the team. I'll, I'll say that much, um, although that probably doesn't come as a huge surprise. But, yeah, I think I think Webster, if – if I'm a Nebraska fan and I'm rooting for a person to do it, I think I'm probably rooting for Webster. Yes, he, he's an older player, and you're not going to get as many miles out of him as maybe somebody younger, but he's going to get the ball every time up the court, in the backcourt. Um, he's going to have a huge influence on how the offense rolls, how it goes from there. So I, I think if I'm picking a guy, my dream scenario is it's somebody like Kobe Webster, um, Elijah Wood backing him up off the bench. So I, I do – I do think the backcourt actually is a little more dangerous than I, I think people might think. And so that'll be really interesting to see how, how those guys fit together um, and move on. And, and that's probably an appropriate thought here as we uh, move into. I, I do want to ask if, if you do have a prediction on a starting lineup at this point. I know a lot of things are up in the air, you know, kind of see how, how everything sorts out. So many new pieces I feel very confident in saying that it will change over the course of the season. But do you have a prediction on a starting lineup for the Huskers this year? Yes. Um, I, I guess I'll, I'll hazard a guess at one. Um, so Ivan Udraago is definitely going to be uh, starting at the five. I think we see Delano Banton and uh, probably Trey McGowan starting. 
Um, after that, I'm a little less confident at the four position in particular. Maybe uh, we see some of uh, Lat Man probably, and mm. who I want to see start at the three, but I'm not confident will is actually going to be an unpopular pick among a lot of Husker fans, which is Thor, who I've been a big fan of since he arrived at Nebraska and started seeing some playing time, particularly last season. Um, The thing about Thor that I value about him being on the floor, and while some people, including some of the other basketball writers at uh, Coronation, disagree with me on him being a Big Ten caliber starter as a player, I think he's the kind of guy that you need on the floor especially in the starting lineup because he has a fantastic basketball IQ. Frankly, he's a lot better shooter than people give him credit for. He led the team in percentage last season with 37.2 from uh, deep behind the three point line. And is he actually was pretty good on uh, three point attempts as well. Uh, despite that, he's not really a high volume shooter. Um, like, uh, Oh God, why am I blanking? I Purdue's, a uh, guy graduated not last season, but the one prior. Harrison Edwards? Yes, thank you. I'm sorry. It's been a rough week or two, guys. I'm sorry to the listeners. Um, yeah, he's not in a, a, a high-volume shooter like like him, but uh, Thor is a good quality three-point shooter who's a threat when he does attempt. And frankly, defensively, they can't afford to not have him on the floor. So I think that they're going to have a good shot if they start him at the three and are open to subbing him in and out a lot, getting him rest. And, you know, when the other team goes on a run, definitely get him back in. But um, he's who I would start at the three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I should just note, you know, for, for our listeners that again, this is, this is such a hard team to predict. And, you know, it's, it's not, you know, making excuses or anything like that, but it, it really is because, Every like almost everything's new, and for that to happen two years in a row, it it's really crazy. I mean, um, I didn't cover Hoiberg's Iowa State teams back when he was there, but I, I can't imagine it was even as severe as this. This this is crazy the amount of turnover Nebraska's had the last two years. So it's it's really wild. Yeah, his, um, it, yeah his first uh, year at Iowa State, he had half the amount of turnover that he had in his first year at Nebraska. Um, even with the first two seasons, I, if I remember right, cause I did, I ran the numbers last season out of curiosity at the beginning of it. He was still shy in two seasons at Iowa state. I'm pretty sure of his roster turnover in one season at Nebraska. That doesn't surprise me at all. I, I, again, last season when I was previewing Nebraska, it was like they returned one guy from from the year prior it's unreal yeah unreal yeah, that and, actually had and, floor time burke burke was a redshirt mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. or rather a transfer sit out for one season so he was on the team but he didn't have any playing time thor was the only player returning with playing time so two players one of whom saw the floor <laughs> absolutely and and it's like it's not quite as drastic as that this time around but it's not too far off either so it's it's really crazy. Um, ma- makes it really hard to follow, but um, should be interesting. As far as the starting lineup, um, I'm I'm just going to go with yours because I honestly don't really have an idea at this point. I think Webster's going to be in the lineup. I think McGoins is going to be in the lineup. Um, Teddy Allen, I would not be shocked if if they played him uh, with those two as well. But they do have a few options um, on the wing that you've mentioned. 
Uh, Mayan could be a guy that could work in there. Um, I'm interested to see uh, what happens up front. Uh, you mentioned, uh, I, I cannot pronounce his last name, and I mention this on the podcast all the time as well. I'm horrible at names, so I will just excuse myself. But, um, yeah, the, fr- the front court, I'm, I'm very uncertain on how that's going to sort out, but it should be interesting. Um, I, I do think, again, not to keep repeating myself, but I, I do think there's a lot more talent. I think there's a lot more natural fits here for some of these spots, so it should be fun to watch and with that which leads me to my my final thing here and I I think you tipped your hand a little bit earlier in the podcast but what are your overall thoughts on the season um if we get a postseason do you think Nebraska plays a factor in it um just general thoughts here on the Huskers um so I think overall um I'm gonna break it down by two different things one is I'm I'm gonna give a guess on the conference record and I think in that oh, wow. degree, um, well, so I'll say that, and then I'll say, you know, the non-conference schedule as well. So, yeah, th- there'll be seven games for the non-conference schedule. Um, overall, uh, I'm probably going to hazard a guess of they'll pick up two, maybe, maybe three wins. Um, if they have an advantageous matchup in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, that one will definitely be a win. And I think with the multi-team uh, event that they're planning in Lincoln, it's mm-hmm. just going to depend on the bracket. There are some teams there that they definitely have a shot against, but there's also some teams there where they have no business winning the game. Um, so in in that regard, I, I think maybe making a guess at around three wins is probably a safe bet without knowing the bracket and who else they're going to have. Um as far as the conference schedule goes, uh, I think, again, since we don't know it, um, you know, I, I think seven wins is probably reasonable to expect, um, just in the sense that if, if they get a good draw with some of the weaker teams in the conference, uh, particularly playing in Lincoln, um, I, I think you're going to see a good shot at having um, as many as seven wins. But I, okay. I don't think they necessarily knock off anybody that they – they shouldn't in terms of, you know, top three or four teams in the program or in the conference aren't going to get any of those upsets. But, um, you know, I I think that they're going to beat a couple teams that uh, are some fun upsets to watch. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I'm not even going to bet on the the schedule yet. I I need to see how everything sorts out first, but um, yeah, I mean, I I think this team is going to be a lot more competitive than it was last year. I don't think you're going to get as many of the, uh, shall we call them embarrassing losses. And I, I know they had their handful of, of tight competitive games last year. You know, they lost a Rutgers close. They lost a Northwestern close some of those teams, but I don't think you're going to get as many of the double digit losses this year. I, I think they're going to be a lot more competitive. They're certainly going to have more than two big 10 wins, I would think. And one of the things that are, that's really encouraging along with the fact that I think the roster is going to be better overall is the big 10 this year. I think it's going to be really good. Again, I I think it probably still will be the nation's top conference, but I think it's going to be a lot more top heavy than it was last year. I think you're going to have a handful of teams in the top 10 or 12, which I don't think the big 10 really had as much last year. I think they had a ton in the top 40, but not as many at the very top. And I think what that's going to do is it's going to be a lot easier on the, the bottom teams, shall we call them? Because 
you're going to get some some weaker competition. You know, teams like Indiana, Maryland um, may take sizable steps back. We'll have to see. Uh, Michigan is another one that could take a big step back. So you're, you might have a, a few more winnable games <laughs> than you did last year where it was like the only weak teams were Nebraska and Northwestern. So really tough on the Huskers and Wildcats. I think the schedule should be easier in that sense. But yeah, I mean, I I think I have Nebraska still at the bottom of the conference um, as of now. You know, maybe they could rise up potentially. You know, if, if they surprise. But right now, I just I don't see the pieces to make me think that they're better than anybody else in the Big Ten. Could they finish above it? Sure. I mean, they have so many new pieces that it would not be shocking if one of them really ball, was able to ball out and and played at a high level. But again, it's it's hard for me to say right now when you're you're relying on JUCO players, you, you know, you're relying on castoffs from places like Pitt, um, Western Illinois, um, not things that are making you think, as you said, NCAA tournament, Big Ten title, uh, type of implications. So probably going to be another down year for Nebraska, but the hope obviously is Hoiberg can keep working the recruiting trail that you can keep a couple of the productive players around for the next season. 21 22 and that hopefully you you can plug and uh play enough guys to to get really competitive so should be fun should be interesting may maybe a little tougher year than i think tusker fans would like but i do think the team's going to be better and as we've mentioned i i think there's a lot of newcomers to watch this year which should be exciting for fans but um kevin if you want to um tell people where they can check you out uh, before we take off here. But um, secondly, any final thoughts here on Nebraska, the Big Ten, college basketball, anything like that before we let you go? Well, I think um, one closing thought is I was there at a nearly empty Xfinity Center last season when they almost knocked off Maryland and lost 70-72. to 72. So having probably what will be either mostly or completely empty arenas will only work to their advantage now with slightly better players talent-wise uh, <laughs> in, in terms of the Big Ten because the home court advantage is, I mean, sure, you've got your Dukes and your Kentuckys and your Kansases out there, but top to bottom, the Big Ten has led the country for 42 straight seasons in home court attendance uh, for basketball as a conference. And frankly, I mean, there's a lot of loud, intimidating arenas and it's not just simply shooting. I mean, that that still is an issue of your most comfortable shooting on your home baskets, but the, the crowd definitely has an impact on it. So having empty arenas is going to be, or most likely nearly empty arenas if they do end up allowing fans, is going to be drastically different this season compared to others. And it's only going to help teams like Nebraska, like Northwestern and whatnot. Um, so that, that'll be another big impact to keep an eye on for all the teams. Um, but yeah, uh, beyond that, I, that, that's mostly why I say I could see them getting up to seven conference wins. Um, yeah, will it be that many? Who knows? But uh, yeah, for anybody who wants to read uh, any of my content, obviously you can find me at Corn Nation. You can find me at The Only Colors, as I am a Michigan State guy. And of course, uh, here at BT Powerhouse, I am also uh, very happily on their staff as well. So uh, Twitter as well, at Spartion Huskers. Excellent. Well, thanks again for joining us. Uh, as you mentioned, I, I think this team's got a lot more upside than last year, which I think should excite fans. Um, the home court thing is going to be really interesting. 
I, I do think the road thing is certainly going to be favorable for, for Nebraska, but Nebraska, you know, Nebraska has a lot better home court advantage than I, I think people realize, um, which I'm, I'm sure you're very familiar with, but it's, I've always been shocked. You know, the program has zero NCAA tournament wins, but it's sold out all the time. It's crazy. The, the fans support there for the Huskers. So that's probably going to take away. They, it seems like every year they have one crazy upset that they have no business getting at home. Um, last year, I, I think it was Purdue. Um, a couple of years back, they, uh, I think they knocked off Michigan um, the year they went to the final four, but um, so they might, they might miss out on that. So that would be disappointing for the big 10 and, and Nebraska fans, but should be interesting. Should be a lot more fun. Um, otherwise, you know, all of our listeners, thank you again for tuning in. Um, we'll have plenty more coverage on Nebraska and the Big Ten in general on the podcast, but also the website. We're also counting down the top 25 players right now in the Big Ten. Uh, myself and Kevin are, are splitting it up a little bit. So check that out. Um, I think – I'm not sure if we have uh, maybe one Nebraska player. We'll see. Um, don't want to reveal the list, but definitely stay tuned um, for all of our season preview coverage. As always, my name is Thomas Bendit. You can follow me on Twitter at tbendit. Um, make sure to stay safe, everyone, wear your mask, and we'll see you next time.